0: This podcast covers sensitive topics. Content warnings can be found in the description. Also, we talk about TV shows, so consider this your spoiler warning.
1: Procedural generation. And relevant sales of this continuing star. In- Lance, in- Lance, photo. Photos. A spin show. Colors a part- to confess.
0: Uh-huh. The the twist. That
1: tough but sexy.
0: Hello and welcome to Procedural Veneration, an untrue crime podcast where we talk about, rate, and goof on all the crime procedurals you've watched way too many times. As always, I'm your co-host Daphne.
1: And as always, I'm your co-host Hank.
0: Using our highly scientific evaluation system, we'll weave our way through the dark back alleys and dirty crime scenes to definitively answer the questions. One, which crime procedural is the best? And two, how many spinoffs of popular procedurals are we willing to sift through?
1: The more, the better. The
0: more, the better.
1: This is the only podcast where we call out my sister Kira by name. Hi, Kira.
0: (laughs) The only podcast.
1: The only podcast. If anybody else starts doing it. I will sue them.
0: (laughs) Speaking of um, suing, Suing. (laughs) (laughs) this week we watched The Closer.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Might sound like a uh, legal procedural, but it's not.
0: (laughs) No, it definitely isn't. The Closer has a solid 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb, which is one of the highest of the ones that we've watched so far, if not the highest.
1: I'm going to be honest, I do not know what the overall IMDb rating has been on any of the previous television shows.
0: I charted it. We put it on a chart. It's on our Instagram. Okay.
1: So yeah, go check out our Instagram. Follow us uh, (laughs) at procedural.veneration.
0: And then you'll have a better grasp of our show's uh, rating system than Hank does. Oh, (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I know our ratings, kind yeah. of.
0: <laughs> Anywho, so this week we're diving into The Closer, which is a crime drama that ran from 2005 to 2012 with 109 episodes and seven seasons.
1: Wowza!
0: Uh, it stars Kyra Sedgwick as LAPD Deputy Chief Brenda Johnson, a former CIA interrogator turned police deputy who is known for closing cases. And uh, which closing cases means getting confessions, because we all know that both CIA interrogation methods and coerced confessions are both super cool and two thumbs up, yeah. ethically speaking.
1: So I, I got—I was pretty concerned when I learned that was the premise of this show. It sounded pretty morally wrong. However, it's used in a way that's pretty milk toast. It's not like she's waterboarding people. It's like she's deploying tricks and speculations to catch people up and catch them in lies so
0: yeah still not great no not great better than
1: waterboarding (laughs) yeah and they're they're not going to show you all the ones where she manages to get a perp to confess only to have them exonerated later
0: (laughs) yeah they also don't show the episodes where brendan johnson is waterboarding people which we know happens behind the scenes time and time again super weird that in the show they chose to show Brenda's personal waterboarding station yeah. in the background of, like, every shot.
1: Well, in, in the show, too, J.K. Simmons is just using it to try to find out the true identity of Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, very weird choice for the show direction.
1: Just absolutely pouring water down Flash Thompson's nose and just trying to figure out, get to the bottom of it once and for all.
0: That is all a lie. <laughs>
1: that is all, yeah, that doesn't actually
0: happen. This is all a lie. Um, But...
1: <laughs> No, uh, and instead, JK, J.K. Simmons is uh, trying to use waterboarding techniques that Brenda teaches him to make his drumming students better at uh, drums. <laughs> you've already... Uh, uh, something yellow M&M. I so
0: say you've exhausted all of my knowledge of J.K. Simmons.
1: Invincible? <laughs> Invincible, yeah. There we go.
0: <laughs> but to talk more about the show itself, of things that aren't lies... <laughs> Um, I have a quote straight from Wikipedia, which I'd like to share, which I'm only direct quoting from Wikipedia because I think it's very succinct and iterates the goals and vibes of the show, which is, uh, The Closer deals with complex and subtle issues of public policy, ethics, personal integrity, and questions of good and evil, which I would like to take a break from this quote to say that referencing good and evil in a show where the whole premise is someone uses questionable methods to coerce people into confessing, Seems rife with problems.
1: Yeah, especially considering the the final episode that we watched, which we'll get into.
0: Yeah, big Punisher energy. Yeah, (laughs) except with less (laughs) supervillains.
1: Right, just normal people. Down the line, you know, we talked about Horatio Kane. We obviously we know Horatio Kane's relationship to the Punisher, but we do need to discuss Brenda Johnson's relationship to the Punisher at some point.
0: Yes, that's good. Yeah, we'll we'll think about that. We'll noodle on that, and we can talk about it when we get to the episodes. Okay, but to continue the quote. The rather large character and ensemble explores the human condition, touching on individual faiths, traditional religious influences in the lives and communities of contemporary society, and the breakdown and dysfunction of family systems, work teaming, and government responsibility. This is a very, very deep description.
1: (laughs) See, that's kind of interesting because I always got the vibe that the uh, show writers for this are from Texas because the character is, I believe, from Texas. And then all of her uh, L.A. cohort at first don't like her and look down on her and then will tease her about being Texan.
0: I think she's from the South. I don't know if she's explicitly Generic from South. Texas. Yeah, I yeah. don't know.
1: They mentioned Dallas a lot because there were other characters in, from Dallas in a different episode. I just kind of assumed she was also from Texas based on what some other people were saying.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. All I know is that she's from the South. Yeah, I don't know. But I thought it was a very deep description for a show that I think is well written but it's maybe not quite as deep as it's describing. I was and interested to know how you thought uh, that description lived up to the actual reality of the show.
1: Yeah, well, I was going to talk about this in my review, but I can talk about it now. Tonally, this show is very strange. Delivered both in terms of acting and in terms of the plots, but it seems to really want to be humorous, sort of like Psych and Castle, taking a normal, normally extremely dramatic genre and really, making essentially the the closest thing to a comedy out of it, while still being a drama, but it wasn't very good at that, and the acting wasn't really up to snuff for humorful acting. So that's sort of sort of my take. I, I don't think the show really figured out what it wanted to be. Whether it wanted to be like prestige procedural television, or whether it wanted to be lighthearted and funny. Uh,
0: yeah, and we can get into it more later. But yeah. so this show was actually renowned for being notable from a cultural impact perspective. So this might, I think we got a hint of this in the episodes we watched, but Deputy Chief Brenda is recognized as a giant step forward as far as representation of women in TV and particularly crime shows. So I have a quote here from Maddie Dichtwald, who's a Forbes top 50 female futurist. So who knows? She might be getting arrested soon.
1: Oh boy. The cursed (laughs) list.
0: Yeah, the cursed list. And it's also very unclear what her actual whole deal is, why she's a top 50 female futurist. That's fine. We're going to use her quote anyway. But she said, we've certainly seen women in powerful positions before, but those women were largely token in a sea of dominant males. And most important, strove to be like the men that surround them. So to translate, Deputy Chief Brenda Johnson is not like other girls.
1: Yeah, really.
0: We're all a bunch of pick me losers.
1: It just doesn't, it doesn't feel that way how television has gone for the last, you know, 14 years since the show has been off the air, right? No, that's not, that's not how math works. Anyway, um, last 10 years since the show has been off the air. It doesn't feel like she's a standout character who was, I mean, that groundbreaking, right? I don't know.
0: The show and its success are credited for paving the way for other successful older women led dramas. Um, specifically like the good wife was an example. There was another one that I don't, don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but it is generally seems to be accepted. That this show was really big for showing that women, specifically older women-led shows, could be successes.
1: Right. I can appreciate that.
0: Its success is also credited with putting basic cable channels, in this case TNT, (laughs) on the map instead of just like the normal powerhouse networks. And changing generally how people watch television, which is very crazy in my opinion.
1: That's interesting because I think uh, Monk was on USA before this procedural wise that was pr- very popular right and very original but i, I can understand how and perhaps this reached a wider audience maybe or a more diverse one at least
0: yeah and specifically uh, the whole idea was that i mean this show won a lot of awards like a lot of awards and so it's crazy that a show that's on essentially like a crappy little network right like who, who are they um, it's crazy that they... Uh, hey,
1: TNT has Snowpiercer, Daphne. Hey,
0: TNT knows drama, okay?
1: <laughs> Characters not welcome on
0: <laughs> Characters not welcome in <laughs> TNT. No, but it, it, it at the time, it was crazy. It's like, oh, we have this show that's winning a bunch awards. What is it? ABC? CBS? You know, right. that sort of thing. Right, right. And It's like, no, it's just this random underdog TNT, which I thought was yeah. cool. Obviously, all of this is just made up now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fox uh, must have had it, some other ones as well Yeah. back in the day.
0: Networks don't matter, except for...
1: They're streaming services right. at this point. Which one are they on? <laughs> Which one are they on? Which one are they going to be on? Yeah. When do I have to download a new a- app for HBO Max?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I will say, it was very annoying. We went to watch these episodes. Oh, yeah. And they were... The Closer... The entirety of The Closer was on HBO Max, right? Soon to be Max. By the time this episode airs, it will be Max. <laughs> um,
1: Talking about that in back-to-back episodes now, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but... We went to watch it and it had been removed in like the three day period it took for us to check that it was on HBO Max and then go to watch it. To
1: clarify, I never saw it on HBO Max, so I'm not not entirely sure Daphne wasn't hallucinating.
0: But... <laughs> Anywho. My my whole point of all this is that um Deputy Chief Brenda Johnson is quite possibly the
1: original girl boss. Girl boss, yeah. Gaslight gave you girl boss to the most extreme extent. <laughs> implementing your CIA pseudo-torture techniques in your LAPD detective work. She's just
0: a powerful woman.
1: Powerful, powerful.
0: But I will say big girl boss energy definitely oh, yeah. follows the show's better online than, presence.
1: Better than the other girl bosses that have been represented so far, I think. <laughs> Except for maybe... Mariska, her- Hargitay. Mariska Hargitay. Mariska playing whatever her name was. Yeah.
0: I mean, I've, I've liked all the... The female characters yeah, they've all, they've all been been fine. so far, yeah. But I just, just because uh, Deputy Chief Brenda Johnson is credited as, you know, paving the way. She's the yeah. original girl boss. Though I think that it could be argued that Mariska Hargitay might be the original girl boss. I don't know. Well, we're really talking Angela Lansbury. Yeah, is the original girl
1: boss. Yeah. And she kept out the gaslighting and the gatekeeping. So
0: yeah, so keep that in mind, people. Please flood our Instagram with who you think the original crime show girl boss. Please,
1: was. I need to know. I need to. I know. can't sleep at night; it keeps me haunted awake. But
0: yeah, uh, the tagline for the show could be "Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss." One hundred percent. <laughs> also, a note about the show is that Kyra chose to end it in two thousand twelve. Her reasonings were that she was ready to move on to other projects, and she felt that staying in this role would mean that she would stay as a crime procedural actress forever. And she just had other aspirations. She also wanted to end on a high note, because the show was getting absolutely amazing readings. I mean, its IMDb score alone is really impressive, because we all know that IMDb is God.
1: Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Infallible.
0: Infallible. But the series premiere was the top rated premiere episode ever of any original scripted series on basic cable. Wild. And then broke its own record with Seasons 2 and 3. <laughs> um, the whole run, the premieres had more than 7 million viewers, which was in record-breaking territory. Kyra Cedric was the only actress for a while to have been nominated for an Emmy, Golden Globe, and Screen Actors Guild Award every year that their show aired in the eligibility period.
1: Wild. That is That's a lot to take in. I didn't. I was alive when the show was airing, and I did not really know about it.
0: <laughs> I did. We did watch a lot of Closer yeah. in my household.
1: Like <laughs> you watched a lot of everything. That is true. There were like three things that went on in my household, and two of them were Battlestar Galactica.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the show was so beloved that once Kyra left, you know, officially the Closer ended. But showrunners made a new spinoff with essentially everyone but Kyra, called Major Crimes. It's
1: sort of a sort of a bit of a middle finger it feels like right <laughs> yeah
0: I just realized I've been saying Kyra I think it might be Kira. It might be, it,
1: yeah I, I meant to you said Kyra when we were watching but I was like people with that with that spelling are named Kira. but for the purpose of our podcast I feel like it would be helpful if we continue to refer to her as Kyra
0: yeah um this is a whole Gary Sinise situation all over again
1: I mean if you really want I can call Kira and see if she's <laughs> willing to give up on that pronunciation for now we'll save that (laughs) yeah
0: we can't we have to call her kyra because if we start calling her kira and then it's gonna get confusing about whether we're talking about your sister kira or about kira sedgwick so Mm -hmm. i think we have to commit to the kyra Yeah, kira sedgwick yeah it's got to be kyra i'm sorry kira had it first
1: yeah there's only
0: one Kira on this podcast
1: 100 my sister did not have that name first but so
0: let's uh let's talk a little bit about our feelings about the closer i personally like i said before watched the closer with my parents when i was a kid um i'd watch reruns of it i remember liking it but i don't remember a whole lot else about it um until we started watching more and i was like oh yeah
1: (laughs) yeah from a review standpoint i 100 percent you know, ex CIA deputy chief now operating major crimes, right? Was expecting soulless propaganda. You know, Daphne's previous high recommendation did not go exactly well. Uh, refer to to Horatio Kane v. The Punisher, our fourth episode for that one. So I wasn't expecting a lot here, but I was really pleasantly surprised. I it was very heartful and it was very character driven and all of the episodes we watched were really good which is which is a first for sure we have not managed to find a dud among these big, top middle and bottom episodes now like i said earlier tonally i'm pretty mixed on it 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 didn't pull off humor as well as like psycho castle do right but and it's also not as earnest as your law and orders or even your csis really in terms of seriousness uh, and is is it kind of problematic? Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> but really not as bad as what it could have been. And what it is, from what we've saw, what we've seen, was you know just enjoyable. So it's pretty up there for me. Yeah. So what was your final rating? I think my final rating, honestly, I'd I'd put it about an eight.
0: Nice. So uh, my general thoughts. I wanted to let you get yours out first, since you were kind of a newbie, right, to the yeah. closer. Um, is that the closer provides the charm of insanely good writing. Um, with the civil rights violations of CSI Miami, <laughs> to make for all in all an incredibly entertaining show. Yeah. Um, I gave it an eight point five. I acknowledge the tonal um, gaps <laughs> yeah. in that um, the the show can go from being you know humorous to serious relatively quickly. But I, I thought that it worked well. I mean, the, the funny episodes, I was like laughing the whole time. Um, yeah. The not funny episode, I was like absolutely gripped and like really involved in the mystery. And so I think even though the tone wasn't necessarily consistent, I still thought that I had a really good time and it was still something that I feel like I could binge a large amount of, yeah. you know, if it ever decides to come back to Max.
1: Yeah, for sure. I w- I'd say another thing that I, about this show if you hadn't told me what the top middle and bottom episode were, n- I wouldn't have gotten either any of them correct like 100%. The the middle came off as a bottom episode, the bottom came off as a top episode, and the top came off as a middle episode. But they were all really they good. They were all really good. That's just like generally from a quality perspective. That's yeah. that's how it came, how it shook out and that if anything had a positive impact on it for me. Sort of the inverse of Columbo, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> where where the even the bottom episode of the closer can be so good, <laughs> versus even the top episode of Columbo be, being able to be that bad.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, let's get into a little bit of a
1: a trivia. I can't wait to make up from the huge hole I dug myself into from Daphne's stellar performance last week.
0: Yeah, and sorry. So have you um, remembered how many points you have? No. I don't really know. <laughs>
1: Kira it's less us. than you.
0: She didn't go back and listen to every single episode to let us know how many oh, points God. Hank has. My brother
1: started listening to this podcast, and I forgot to have them start tracking that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you know, if you're a new listener, this that, that doesn't work. This is the seventh well, episode. Well, maybe.
1: People do that. People <laughs> come hey, in.
0: If you're a new listener, please, please. let us know how many points they If like this Hank show has. and you
1: want to listen back, episodes one, two... Five and seven. I'm gonna need your to you total this up and comment it on the Instagram, please. Yeah, we'll give I'm you, $5. you five dollars.
0: Five dollars to the first person who figures out Hank's trivia score.
1: I'm already not sleeping for some reason that I already can't remember that we mentioned earlier. Uh
0: the original girl boss. That's what I thought, but it didn't make sense <laughs>
1: thinking back on it. The
0: original crime girl
1: boss. <laughs> okay, time. into the
0: trivia. Now I will say I really struggle to find trivia about specifically the closer. That's okay. Um, So it's kind of Kyra. <laughs> That's
1: totally cool. Um, Trivia. With a, with a strong lead, you got to do that at a certain point.
0: Yeah. Okay. So which famous actor is Kyra Sedgwick married to?
1: Oh, boy.
0: He's very well known.
1: Yeah. See, this is the kind of thing where I'm like, I probably am somewhat familiar with this person being married to somebody famous that I didn't know because I wouldn't have been able to tell you who Kyra Sedgwick was before this, right? But I can't, I can't, 100% cannot reverse that function in my head. I can, I'll, I'm going to go, I'll just go out on a limb here. About my parents' age, let's say. He
0: was born in
1: 1958. George Clooney. No.
0: Okay. But honestly, similar levels of. Fame? Fame.
1: All right. Uh,
0: He's he, often used as a measurement.
1: Measurement. Carl Urban? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, ha- often used as a measurement.
0: Yeah. The f- most famous movie probably, I would say, to, C- comes out in 1984. Comes out in 1984. Literally 1984. Which is 1984. Uh, Kyra Sedgwick um, and this person got married in 1988.
1: Interesting. Literally 1984. See, when I'm when I'm not in this mode of staring at this waveform as it scrolls across my screen, I'm usually really good at years that movies came out. Like, weirdly good at it. I can't tell you a single movie that came out in 1984 right now.
0: He's in Tremors.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, is it the guy that died?
0: This person is not dead. Okay.
1: Is it Kevin Bacon? (laughs) It is Kevin Bacon. Oh, wow. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Good for them. Are they still together?
0: Yeah. Oh, good for them. (laughs) Girl boss. Yeah, absolute girl boss. She's
1: one degree from Bacon. Yeah, she
0: is one degree.
1: And two degrees from Reba (laughs) McIntyre.
0: I feel like if you're married to Kevin Bacon, it's kind of zero degrees from Kevin Bacon. I'm saying
1: oh Daphne we don't this is a this is a family-friendly podcast
0: <laughs> no I mean one it's not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. second
1: I did look back we got the explicit tag on everything I definitely I de- there definitely weren't f-bombs in at least some of our episodes I don't know that that's true <laughs> I, I think I think we were pretty clean the first couple no <laughs> <laughs> okay well moving on that's really cool
0: yeah Bacon. but he um actually when and to have this role so hard that he agreed to like take a break from acting and stay home with the kids because they have like three or four kids um so she could play uh brenda johnson
1: wow which is on it like what a star
0: yeah how how sweet you know like i love we love to see that support yeah.
1: i'm desperately trying to come up with a joke uh based <laughs> on one of the songs in footloose and it's never 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 gonna come to me i guess <laughs>
0: Okay, so (laughs) now you're fine. So you get, I will give you a point there. Sure, why not? The points are made up anyway. Yeah, Um, points are made up. The Priority Homicide Division was originally called what three letter acronym before being quickly changed within a couple of episodes of the show airing.
1: Um, three letter acronym.
0: So it's currently Priority Homicide Division. Priority Homicide Division. I'll give you a hint that the first word is the same.
1: Yeah, priority. I'm going to go with the Priority Investigation Group. Or pig, for short. <laughs> no. Oink, oink.
0: Think about a little less obvious.
1: Um, I will say
0: very obvious, you know, if you know. Oh, yes, pretty much very obvious if you know. If you don't know, then this was written by a man.
1: <laughs> ah, so, like, priority active division spell out pad or something i don't know no okay
0: it's priority murder squad pms
1: oh okay that's that's neat. i was on the right track there yeah you were <laughs> on
0: the right track but yeah i i don't i genuinely don't know whether the first couple of episodes were ruined by a man or not but yeah, yeah it know. was called the priority murder squad that's otherwise known as pms
1: terrible just a terrible name to begin with. <laughs> yeah sounds like sounds like they're doing priority murder <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah
1: homicide squad what
0: weirdly <laughs> enough it's the priority mail squad oh
1: boy call back to our high school days
0: it's the acapella group name was priority male. group
1: yeah please we not, weren't in it please don't dox us <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah so they, they had they changed it so the first like one or two episodes they say pms
1: before it got changed. Well, it only lasted a couple days so then they, were, <laughs> then they had to get rid of it
0: okay what's okay. one of the real taglines for the show
1: real taglines for this show? She'll close you out. <laughs> Honestly, pretty close. She'll cl- she'll do something having to do with closing, I imagine. She'll close the case. I don't know. Uh,
0: she'll bring you in. She'll make you talk.
1: She'll bring you in. She'll make you talk. All right. That, that wasn't close enough for that. <laughs> um, uh, do you have other ones, too? Yeah. All right. There's two more. Are they all about her? No. Okay. The real way that real cops that used to work at Gitmo do it. <laughs>
0: Uh no, but I, I like the energy. Think about puns.
1: Puns. They're not particularly good puns. Puns though, about closing. Honest.
0: Puns about crime.
1: Well, that's pretty generic, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, these crimes are of the major variety.
0: Honestly, I like that a lot. It's
1: <laughs> <laughs> just literally expli- explicitly defining what they do. <laughs> I'll
0: just give them to you because one, they're okay. not that interesting and two, I was just trying to make you come up with taglines for the no, show. No,
1: I, I think I did a better job than they did for sure. Uh, it's you don't con- even need to tell me if you don't want
0: It's confess you're hooked.
1: That's terrible. And
0: then get ready for an arresting new season.
1: I'm grimacing right now. Sorry, <laughs> it doesn't work on the audio medium, but yeah, still grimacing. <laughs> Yikes. That's not, that's not very uh, compelling, I gotta no, say. No. Those sound like generic television from when I grew up, though. This is
0: also, you know, according to IMDb, so it might be made up. Okay. so That's true. So uh, what role in a different kind of cop show is Kyra Cedric less known for?
1: Uh, Could be, is,
0: honestly, more known for for some people. But This is
1: previous to The Closer, I assume? It's
0: after The Closer. After The Closer. Oh, okay. So I gotta think in that era. You've definitely seen the show. And you've definitely seen the episodes that she's in.
1: Well... I don't know. It, I think it's a crime. You said it was a crime show. I said
0: it's a different kind of cop show. Different kind of cop show.
1: Oh, it's like Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
0: It is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Do you know who she plays?
1: Uh, Is she like Holt's rival?
0: Yeah, she's yeah. Madeline Wunsch.
1: <laughs> okay, that's probably where I recognize Captain her Holt's arch nemesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think she's out for commissioner or something as well when he is. I don't yeah. quite remember. I think she might get it too. I, I don't remember the course of that show. But.
0: Yeah, I don't remember either, but <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Um and then Kara <laughs> Yeah. Uh Kara Sedgwick was nominated for Best Kiss at the nineteen ninety seven MTV Movie and T V awards for kissing what actor and the romantic fantasy drama phenomenon.
1: Oh, I thought it was gonna be in the in the thing. Um kissing what actor in romantic it's not it wouldn't be Kevin Bacon, surely. No. Oh, that's disappointing though. They could really sell it, I assume. Uh, jeez. Sorry, 19 what?
0: 1996. American romantic fantasy drama called Phenomenon.
1: do 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 Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that 1996, she kissed Brad Pitt.
0: No, but no. He, he is very famous. Cool. No, like, the sorry, the person that she kissed is very famous, <laughs> Yeah, I like. know, I
1: know. <laughs> yeah, very famous. All right, well, I'm going to refer to my earlier answer of George Clooney, then. No. No uh
0: 1996
1: hugh grant would be seven,
0: 96 that era um this same year he was in the hit movie face slash (laughs) off
1: oh god i well i'm 50 50 here i hope john travolta yeah it's john travolta over not not that i'm saying Nicolas cage wouldn't i guess romantic fantasy i'd see either of them in it really you want to give me the point for that or no i'll give you the point for that okay you're so generous. I love you so much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just want to read you the plot to Phenomenon yeah, really course. quick, which is, On his birthday, mechanic George Malley, John Travolta, sees a flash of light and proceeds to exhibit extraordinary mental abilities. He becomes a genius, even showing an ability to move objects with his mind. George wishes to help people, but the government wants to take him in for observation. Soon, George finds out from Dr. Brunder that he has a massive brain tumor. With his this new knowledge, George decides to spend his time with girlfriend, Kyra Sedgwick.
1: Wow, that was so boring.
0: <laughs> it's a Disney
1: movie. Ooh. Oh, so Kara Sedgwick's a Disney princess. Or Disney girl, <laughs> the boss. Okay. girl boss. The like original girl boss, like we Disney said. girl boss. Move over, move over, Belle.
0: <laughs> is at least distributed by Walt Disney Studios. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes me feel like that counts.
1: Yeah, for sure. Is that. it on
0: Disney Plus? The real I question. The answer is no.
1: No. Freaking distribution rights, man think of how many more subscribers disney plus would have if they had phenomenon on there yeah they like, hit
0: 1997 movie Phenomenon, just yeah. kisses between kyra and john
1: yeah but, you know disney plus obviously the big the big issue is keeping those those childless folks from uh, subscribing year-round or keeping them subscribed year-round i think uh, if they got phenomenon on there i'd be subscribed 24 7 baby i'd yeah. have three accounts Are you kidding me? You gotta be <laughs> able to watch three phenomenons at once yeah <laughs> You could call it a phenomena a- ph- a, ph- a phenomenon phenomena
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was stupid <laughs>
1: How dare you <laughs> now we we can go in. the we we, we finally got back because i'm finally uh i finally fixed everything to our median worst best pattern holding pattern if you will uh however. That is not at all what it felt like, so we can kind of go in whatever order if you
0: want. Yeah, I think we can start off with the one we started with. So yeah, we started so. with Layover, Season 6, Episode 4, which is an 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Very high for a median episode. Oh, yeah. But um, there are two detectives, uh, Flynn and Provenza, who are iconic. <laughs> yeah. There's no word for them other than iconic. Though, honestly, this show does a really good job because, honestly, all the characters are
1: pretty iconic. They're two older gentlemen who are long time on the force and we were exposed to a season 1 episode where they are they don't really like uh Kyra Sedgwick's character very much but this is a later season episode where they're a bit more comic reliefy yeah which brings them to their their starting s- sequence their starting sequence where they have picked up two young women and are flirting with them post date and they both go back to individual apartments uh at which point Prevenza vanishes into the bathroom to Papa Viagra, which he does, and then realizes there is a body in the bathtub behind him. He then proceeds to touch, like, everything. Yeah, he touches the body to check the pulse. He touches the baseball bat because he's scared of the body after he checked the pulse. Oh,
0: it's because he, like, trips on it. He and tri- so he's like, oh, what's this? And he picks it up and he realizes it's the murder weapon. The he's like, oh, ah! baseball
1: bat. Terrible cop instincts. <laughs> no,
0: like, he touches the mirror, he touches the sink. Yeah. It's very funny. It is supposed to be funny. I can't stress. It's it not supposed, supposed to be, funny, to be yeah. like, um, oh, look how good this cop is. It's like, God, look how terrible of a cop prevents.
1: Right. The, he He's played off for, for laughs a lot with being incompetent, which we'll get into in another episode that heavily played into prevents of being incompetent.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was honestly an absolutely hilarious. Collo.
1: Right. And I just want to say, I did not know he was a cop. from the cold open i thought he was gonna get murdered because i was unfamiliar with the show i didn't know how the cold opens worked right and it seemed like he was getting himself into a scenario where he was gonna get murdered by a young woman right but he is a cop turns out and kyra sedgwick shows up with a very interesting performance of boss coming to the scene of two detectives and their young dates one, one detective having found a body in the bathroom of their date uh, it was just kind of uh, smarmy, I guess. Very, very sarcastic smile the whole time was part of it. But it didn't I didn't like Deborah Brenda. Brenda, sorry. <laughs> I didn't like Brenda pe- to begin with because of this performance where she was just like smiling constantly and being very snarky. But, I, you know, it went on. It was a little bit better. And essentially the episode continues. These two women are flight attendants. They are also, so happens, involved in a drug trafficking scheme from Honduras on the small airline that they're a part of with the other members of their flight crew, including their pilot and the other flight attendant. That other flight attendant has also been murdered and was the reason the body was there in the first place. But he's found dead. There are drugs on both scenes. The dead body belonged to another lieutenant in the crime boss that was smuggling drugs scheme. It kind of gets really complicated, but to summarize, the crime boss, you know, was paying off. The pilot was sort of the coordinator of of everything. Crime boss was paying them to traffic the money, but started paying them less and less as they got more involved in the scheme. And so the flight attendants whipped up a plan to just keep the drugs and sell them, which can't express enough how terrible of an idea that is. (laughs) Yeah. I don't condone drug trafficking in the first place, but if you're going to do it, don't all of a sudden stop <laughs> i would go to the yeah. police before i did that <laughs> yeah very insane
0: yeah actually yeah, yeah because you know then their friend ends up dead yep.
1: ends up dead immediately the pilot is interrogated and looks really guilty but then i was <laughs> like oh no no no. i swear to god i didn't do it and then they set up a sting operation where the pilot oh i got the drugs back you know meet me in the parking lot and at which point they the two the two lieutenants Prevenza and flynn are basically keeping an eye on the girls to keep them from getting murdered. And then they lose them and they go to the the same place that the sting is happening and the crime boss gets arrested and the girls show up on the scene and almost, you know, endanger everything very anticlimactic. There's not really anybody actually in danger. It's just sort of comedy ending there. Right. As it's sort of farcically, they move in to arrest these people and the two women flee from the scene, having caused a ruckus
0: yeah it was all very funny though
1: it was pretty funny. Uh, it I, I'd say that I don't know if the payoff was worth the build up, I guess it felt the episode felt a little bit longer than what it actually was, and it That's kinda, fair kind of went circuitously and didn't really go in an interesting direction. there was there was one subplot with j k. Simmons wanting to apply or plot actively in the process of interviewing for police chief he's already kind of a chief i'm not sure what what higher rank that would give him in the lapd presumably like commissioner or a lieutenant commissioner position Kyra sedgwick's character is being encouraged to apply and he's very upset by this because he's been her mentor for a long time and he feels slighted and then at the end there's also a scene where he's like you know what i'm actually fine with this because you have no chance and that will keep other women from applying for the job and possibly getting in on like a diversity hire so a uh, real JK Simsell moment there. Yeah. It was very very off putting of his character.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think that this is what I was kind of was talking about from like genuinely from like a representation viewpoint like the show does not shy away from Deputy Brenda Johnson being treated poorly because she's a woman. 100%. And I think that it's like very authentic in that matter and then she takes it all in stride and um you know does what she can. Um, but I think that that's, like, really interesting, and, uh, the way that it's tackled is productive, in my opinion, um, because I think sometimes you just get, like, ham-fisted, like, oh, you're a woman, so, you know, like, screw you, and it's like, well, this is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is <laughs> J.K. Simmons saying, oh, you're gonna be a diversity hire, so yeah, you apply, because I know that you're an unqualified, um... Or so he assumes that she's unqualified um, and says, like, no, you are you will never get it. And I think that it's good for you to flood the pool with the pat in the department on the back look. Right. And it's like, yeah, these are real conversations that happen. Right. Yeah. And not just like a, oh, you have a woman or, oh, I, you're a woman. You can't do that job. It's I absolutely like, agree. More direct.
1: I absolutely agree. It gives it more of a realistic feel because, you know, you'll get a lot of misogyny in the workplace from people who are ostensibly your friend and ally, right? Who are blind to how they are being misogynistic, right? And so in in that element it's realistic to have this character that they're cooperating with all the time and they work with and ostensibly have a good relationship with then be kind of a shithead to them about, you know, gender issues. So but in, in, at the same time the the attempt at humor tone sort of undercuts that a little bit right where it's like oh this is sort of a farcical world right but no that's actually kind of realistic to have your boss sort of say off-color things and he may be right but he's also kind of a part of the problem at that point right Mm
0: -hmm. and also she's so qualified (laughs) very qualified um but he's possibly
1: more qualified just in terms of seniority and experience, right? Oh but, yeah, that's true.
0: We don't know. She all is of
1: al- it. also qualified, and and he, you know, puts her down basically. So. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um. Pretty. More on the other random fun things about this episode is that one of the flight attendants' <laughs> apartments is cow themed. Oh yeah, which is turns out to be kind of a plot point. Sort of. Um. It's pretty. <laughs> it would have funny. gotten
1: there without it. <laughs> yeah,
0: but it's pretty funny. And so he like, a walks in, like ready to have sex with this woman. And it's just cows, so much cows, cows everywhere. Cows
1: everywhere. It's and he just goes,
0: "I love the bovine motif." <laughs> and she goes, "Thanks. I think I may have been a cow in another life." Yeah. <laughs> they just take it all in stride.
1: Yeah.
0: And then uh, Brenda is being condescending to the flight attendants um, because she knows that they are drug trafficking, but she also knows that um, they're not quite as smart as they think they are because they're they're trying to trick her and she knows that they're trying to trick her. And so every time one of them like asks a question like, "Well, that couldn't be possible. Could it? How did that happen?" Uh Brenda says, "You think just like a detective, Linda."
1: <laughs> yeah, just they're asking questions out of their, you know, lack of understanding about what the situation is, but off as like oh yeah the curious mind right it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good
0: i said that the the this episode almost reminded me of murderville
1: a little bit yeah
0: Like got, got kind it, of murderville vibes
1: kyra had that sort of character forced smile throughout most of the episode, so i don't think that helped at all but <laughs> but yeah this is 100 percent my least or at least the worst episode out of the ones that we watched it was neither really compelling from a plot standpoint nor was it particularly successful at a lot of the humor that it went for in my opinion i mean it it was funny right but it wasn't it didn't feel very intelligent in its humor compared to the last episode for example that we watched
0: so. i liked it a lot personally yeah, i ahead. thought it was really funny um i thought the writing was really strong let's move on to the next episode okay
1: all right well this next episode is season one episode four show yourself
0: that's a seven point seven out of ten on IMDb. Yep,
1: this is the ostensible worst episode that we watched. It was the best drama episode out of what we watched for sure. The yeah, most, most intense, least humorful, uh, but it executed on its serious tone pretty well. The general premise of this is that you're thrown in media res to the site of one of a recent set of killings of one gang, the uh, what? Catorces? I don't. Yeah, know the, the East Side Catorces. Yeah, the East
0: Side Catorces. Yeah.
1: This is the most recent in a string of other kill. I believe there were two prior to this. This one, three Catorces were murdered. And the poli- to the police, it becomes pretty clear that it, it was a sniper and therefore not gang violence. However, to for the public, they are basically having to put it off as gang violence to avoid a, a panic due to, you know, the D.C. sniper situation was not too long before this, right? That was still that was still a concern of panicking the public about everything.
0: Yeah, but the trade off is that <laughs> if they don't tell the public that it's a sniper, then they have the risk of like gang retaliation. Oh yeah, which
1: one hundred percent happens.
0: <laughs> which does one hundred percent happen. So it's like a trade off of either deciding to tell the public and risk mass panic and you know potential harm in that way, or not tell the public and have the Catorces assume it was a rival gang. And then um, have almost certainly instances of gang violence and retaliation.
1: Yep. And then another important detail is that Sanchez is one of the lieutenants on their major crimes team. And he is a former Eastside Catorce. So he's very... I
0: think he specifically... I don't think he...
1: I don't. I don't know. I don't know uh, he he knew a lot of the. I, I don't know if it's explicit that he was in the gang, right?
0: He worked in like the gang department.
1: That's right. Uh, yeah, I, I find it confusing whether he grew up there and knew a lot of the gang members. I or think he may
0: have both grown up there and worked, worked in yeah. the gang division.
1: They all really liked him though, so good for Sanchez. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, So that's that's important because he's sort of their man on the ground in communicating with everybody. And he pulls in a couple of these gang members in order to communicate with them. At the beginning of the episode, though, uh, Kyra Sedgwick is the only one left at the scene. And a man walks on with a sniper rifle scope and stands where the murder happened and starts looking at rooftops to confirm where the where he thinks the sniper was positioned. Kyra is like, hey. What are you doing? (laughs) And then he's like, ah, you've got yourself a sniper situation. This is not gang violence. And she's like, oh, interesting. And how would you know that? And he says, because I think my son did it. (laughs) And his son did, in fact, do it. Or did he? As the episode progresses, Kyra makes some underhanded. Under the table. Under the table deals with him, including giving him a list of all Couturces and all known Couturces and their addresses. Uh, in order to communicate with him and get information about this man's son, who is the believed killer. It never once occurs to her early in the episode that he might actually be the murderer. And that becomes a plot point later as they consider the fact that he is the murderer. And it sort of goes back and forth whether they believe if the son's actually around or if it's the father. For clarity, the son, while he was in the Marine Corps... His wife was murdered by a Catorce,
0: like a stray bullet situation. A stray
1: bullet, yeah. She was murdered in, in by accident because she was checking up on a foster kid in a house where a you know former or a gang associate was murdered, and she got hit by a stray bullet and died. And so he is hunting them down based on a newspaper article that was done about them. He's just going down the list of people he can find from the photo in that newspaper article.
0: Yeah, but the son has been missing for, like, a year, Yeah, and it's suspected that he's dead. Yes. That he has died by suicide, so he's not even, like, in the picture in the first place. And so that's where, like, the main conflict of the episode is the team trying to determine whether the son is even really alive. Yeah. Uh, or if this is all, like, an elaborate like mental break from the dad. Yeah. Who both are incredibly um, decorated and experienced snipers, yeah. So they both definitely have both the um, animosity towards the Catorces and other gang violence, um, and the skills to pull this sort of thing off. One
1: hundred percent. There's, Kyra also makes use of her FBI husband at one point to have him follow the uh, the older the the father when she believes that he might be going to go kill another target. I don't know why they let him leave. <laughs> <laughs> You know so so essentially they try to bust the guy at the scene of the next possible crime however the sniper's not going there and so all of a sudden they're at a dead end without Lee leads Kyra is at the same time following the father at wherever he's going from leaving the station and he goes to the to a hospital where one of the Catorce's grandmothers is and this is brought up earlier in the episode and then Kyra's like oh crap uh, the sniper is going to kill this gang member when he leaves the hospital. Right, goes to the top of a building, has a little has a little momentary showdown with as it's revealed the son who is the sniper, and the son is about to draw a sidearm from behind his back and shoot her when he is shot out of nowhere by presumably and almost certainly his father who killed him for you know almost killing a cop. So yeah. Pretty good episode, honestly. Yeah, and show
0: yourself is what Kyra screams multiple, multiple times as yeah. the episode ends um, to try because she she wants to see um, the father.
1: Yeah, she's like you know not happy with the outcome, <laughs> but the alternative is her dying. So I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. So a dark episode for sure. It just en- the episode just ends after that. Uh, cuts the credits. Pretty serious. I-, I thought it was pretty successful. The plot yeah. was interesting. It was a little straightforward, ultimately. There wasn't a lot to unravel, but after the initial one where it was like convolutedly woven together, or at least the initial episode, right, I was it was a good refresh and it made the drama work a bit more to have it sort of be more direct.
0: Yeah, I thought the mystery was very interesting, too, and it yeah. was easy. I think with all these episodes, it was like fun and easy to try to guess where the show was going. Yeah. Um, but not in a way where it's like, oh, this is predictable. Like in a way where it's like, oh, you know, it'd be so cool if they did X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, they do X, Y, and Z. And you're like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: With this one in particular, the idea that the father might be the sniper, accursed, like, like I said, occurs to you before it occurs to Brenda, right? <laughs> so that's sort of a fun moment where you're like, hmm, I wonder if this is not going the way that she thinks it's going. And then you're like, ooh, <laughs> this could be bad for her. And then it turns out that, you know, things are... Are not as they seemed, even from that perspective. The other element of this is that while the the plot is not very complex, there's other dramatic elements with the decision between announcing that it's a sniper or keeping that quiet and you know continuing the the flames of a gang war. There's also at one point there's retaliation at the scene of one of the crimes, and two young boys are shot in addition to the the other the member of the other gang who was seen nearby, right? So the the Catorces murdered him and caught two boys in the crossfire.
0: Yeah, because the the previous kind of idea, right, was that, oh, it's gang violence, there's no real victim. Yeah. And it's like, well, which one? Messed up.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Just throw that out there. But two, like, even if you think that it's like you're know, all these people are getting caught in the crossfire both literally and figuratively, right? Um, and so, like these two young boys die, and it's like, this is your fault, you know, to the to the sniper. like you have caused this because yeah. of the violence that you're specifically trying to incite.
1: This episode also has sort of a a recurring secondary antagonist um he's not he's not a terro- he's not a bad guy, but he is an antagonist to the to the major crimes division, which is the head of the homicide division, who is at the same rank as i think actually, I think he's captain technically, I don't know how this works exactly. But it's effectively the same level as uh, Brenda Lee Johnson's character, or Brenda Lee Johnson. And that creates friction because, you know, if it's gang violence, it's effectively his crime to solve. But because it's a sniper, it's kind of Brenda's. But, you know, is it publicly a sniper situation? So there's back and forth there. It was also funny because the only time that that character appeared in the first episode we watched, which happens later in the series, he was had been kicked out of his office. And had to move into a cubicle. And at which point all of his furniture was just cardboard boxes. And so he was just a background comedy relief character. And it was very weird to see him be kind of an earnest, more serious police officer, right? Who also uh, was not a great guy. (laughs) (laughs) He mentions not really caring about the, the cost of gang member deaths in terms of know the, the the crimes that are happening uh his quote that i wrote down is when gang bodies show up i don't see black white brown or yellow i only see blue <laughs> referencing of course police officers which is like ah okay this guy <laughs> but yeah so this guy and then he comes up as well he's sort of a another but <laughs> less of a, a still an antagonist but more of a hero in the third in the third episode we watched because of his role but we'll get to that so it was interesting to see that guy in earlier seasons actually having more of a serious character rather than sort of being a the butt of a joke basically so
0: it was a it was a really good episode it was a really
1: good episode, yeah,
0: it just wasn't funny,
1: yeah, no, it wasn't funny, which is, probably has to do with its ranking at the bottom, but you know
0: but it's still really high seven point seven out of ten
1: yeah absolutely and i mean this is this is procedural veneration here the top episode of s v u was all kinds of messed up, <laughs> so I can take a serious episode and appreciate its Positive qualities, one hundred percent. Even if it's not, doesn't match the tone of the rest of the show.
0: Yeah, I still really liked it. Yeah. Um, the best episode that we watched was "To Protect and Serve," season two, episode five, which is a nine out of ten on IMDb. Um, the general vibe is once again we have our um favorite favorite officers Flynn and Provenza.
1: (laughs) Flynn and Provenza, back at it again, baby. Who
0: have Skybox tickets? Skybox. tickets to the la dodger (laughs) yeah and so they're getting ready to go and they're already running late and prevents goes to his garage and he opens it to get something out before they leave and uh, there's just a dead body yep laying in his garage and he goes hmm well she'll be there after we get back
1: (laughs) (laughs) we got skybox tickets yeah
0: and so they take some pictures (laughs) and then they close the garage and they pretend like they didn't see it and then they <laughs> go to the game,
1: which yeah. they don't make it because uh, Flynn's car breaks down, they come back and the body's already gone,
0: yeah, so then they get they find out that there's been a report of a body um like discarded on the side of the road, and so they show up and they're like, "Oh God, no yeah, because it's the body
1: that's in which was in the garage, which has been since that since it was in the garage stripped and mutilated, yeah. Uh, so th- so obviously, you know, the evidence has changed. The original location of the body is no longer the same on the homicide report, right? And so they abruptly declare themselves kings of this investigation as part of major, a major crimes investigation and take over from the homicide captain.
0: Yeah. And to which, like, Kyra finds out when she comes into the office and J.K. Simmons is like, why did Flynn and Provenza take over this crime scene? And she's like, she just, like, plays along, and
1: <laughs> she, it's very funny. Well, it's very funny. She's like, "Are you? I'm sorry, you tell me to be delegating more often. Are you telling me you don't want me to delegate?
0: <laughs> and she's just, like, taking the little snippets that he gives her about yeah. the crime scene of, like, oh, this is why I would, you know. Because <laughs> she has no clue what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but she's just trying to, like, save face because it looks bad for her if Flynn and Provenza are just doing random crap uh, without her knowledge. Um, <laughs> and so then, because of all the shenanigans and because, you know, Flynn and Provenza... Um, objectively, uh, are bad cops and should have been fired and should have reported the body. Um, Now it's like all of their careers are on the line because they've just kept lying (laughs) over and over again uh, when they really should have (laughs) stopped in the first place. But they've dug themselves in so deep a hole that they have to, one, give the murder scene back to the other um, homicide team. And then, two, solve (laughs) the case without letting anyone know that they're working it. And also, fra- while keeping the witnesses um, from telling anyone where they found the body. Yeah. Originally.
1: Yeah. So, I- effectively, they they bring in the woman, the dead woman's boyfriend, who admits that he found the body and moved it, but hasn't given the cops much. And then Kyra pulls some shenanigans to convince him that he needs a lawyer, <laughs> And then he stops talking, and in order to prevent him from talking, because it's still homicide investigating this case and still interrogating him, in order to prevent him from taking any kind of deal where he says that he found it in Provence's garage, right? He, or they, one of them calls in a bomb threat. (laughs) I think Flynn does that, actually. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Calls in a bomb threat, and and then...
1: Gets the building evacuated. Yeah. And that's just enough time for Kyra's... Husband. In in character, husband, who is an FBI agent, to announce that this man is wanted for drug trafficking and therefore this is now a cr- major crimes investigation. Like an FBI investigation. Yeah, so they're able to take control of it. Uh, as it shakes out the The whole reason for this crime, or the, the backstory here, this woman was a previous tenant of Provenza's Rentals. house that he yeah. rents. She was the last tenant. She stayed there while she was a surrogate for a sketchy, unlicensed surrogate agency that is just run by a a greasy lawyer the greasy lawyer had hired out her services for a young couple who could not afford traditional surrogacy uh she was a drug user and a drug mule which is why she was cut open after she died her boyfriend cut her open to get the drugs out um she and her boyfriend have been saving up money and they've been deciding that they're going to effectively retire and have finally have a kid however she it became clear that she was unable to have children anymore. So she started to obsess over the child that she had as a surrogate. And because it was unlicensed, threatened the couple and said that she would get them or she would get the child through the courts. Because technically it was still her child. Yeah, technically that they never had a contract because of the lawyer that they went through. So it was her child. They, you know, and she had the custody battle would have possibly gone in her favor because she had been to rehab, although they were you know still drug mules. <laughs> Uh, so then the, she confronted the husband and the husband, you know, tried to turn her into the police while she had drugs in her system. She freaked out and he accidentally killed her and then ditched her at the, at her, her old yeah. house that he had, that they had paid for when, when she was their surrogate.
0: So which AKA is prevents his apartment house.
1: Yeah. So then her, to summarize again, the stuff that happened after her boyfriend found her body, uh, got the extracted the drugs and then left her uh, in a ditch on Sepulveda Boulevard. <laughs> yeah. As is brought up multiple times. Cause Kyra does not know the name of it. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's, I think it was a really strong episode. It was really good. It's really interesting. Um, I mean, a lot of immoral blackmail going on. <laughs> the
1: acting from the husband on the, uh, who is, you know, the, the murderer, although he, I think he was charged for manslaughter. Was not good, <laughs> and it was very clear that he was bad. <laughs> Although he had no real reason to be so evil-looking to begin with, right? Or you know, distraught. <laughs> yeah. So that that was one one thing that was a little disappointing. I was like, oh, it's him. You know, <laughs> you can tell this guy is over overdoing it a little bit in this performance.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to also use this as an opportunity to have a PSA about unlicensed surrogacy just don't do it
1: very it's very dangerous very dangerous
0: very sketchy
1: like i know in a lot of states you can get contracts even if you're not like doing a full surrogacy agency thing right so
0: and i get the surrogacy agencies can also be messed up oh yeah for sure but
1: like when you
0: just have like some random person be a surrogate for you it just has so many potential avenues for like terrible things to happen and you're just so much more protected if you either one go through an actual surrogacy um establishment or like at least very least have like a lawyer yeah. um, drop some documents because like there's so many horror stories on like reddit and stuff of like people doing like back alley surrogacy yeah. and like then not actually getting to keep their kids like
1: contractless sibling surrogacy is very oh, common yeah. right and then that's messed up yeah it's messed up and you know I, I i assume one thing that goes into surrogacy agencies is you know insurance for yeah even like therapy right if there is because i mean pregnancy can be a huge mental strain for yeah pregnant. and physical and f- huge mental physical but like especially if you are separated from your child in some cases right so it's uh definitely good to have safety nets to handle those situations yeah and
0: also like surrogacy um agencies don't let you be a surrogate if you haven't had a child before so like you've gone through the process it's like you you know your body can handle it and stuff like that and so it's just like unlicensed surrogacy is such a can of worms and it's not worth it i'm sorry (laughs) and also if your husband says hey i'd love to do uh some surrogacy i'm gonna fuck your sister yeah
1: that's another yeah that's I, a red flag oh boy. anyway <laughs> there's right. a reddit post that i read <laughs> i hope some of our audience needs to hear that but who knows uh anyway but yeah another thing about this episode at the end essentially all of the team has been putting their jobs on the line to keep flynn and provenza out of jail <laughs> and and i guess at a certain point themselves uh, yeah because they've all become accessory after the fact as kyra sedgwick points out open early on uh and so at the end uh brenda just dis- extorts them for about eight thousand dollars worth of stuff altogether uh from individuals of the team <laughs> including yeah. like a macbook and then box seats for one other detective and his son <laughs> yeah uh very wild uh, a little uncomfortable i think this is sort of payoff for Flynn and prevenza being total jerks to her for the first and incompetent and incompetent <laughs> but like in the, they were nasty behind her back a lot in Show Yourself, the, the episode from the first season that we watched. So I think this is sort of emotional payoff, but it was very weird to watch this having seen this season six episode where they are 100% comic relief at that point. Yeah. Right? And it's like, it's not very funny to see these guys have to shill out uh, $8,000 of, of random crap for their coworkers who yeah. all just committed crimes to keep them out of jail. <laughs> Yeah, they are objectively bad cops. Though. Yeah, they're they're bad cops, but I mean, Provenza also uh, can barely afford the rent on a really crappy house <laughs> for which his landlord is yes. garbage. So yeah. it's a, it's it sort of feels bad, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think that's the other thing about the show is it makes you really like all the characters.
1: Yeah, it does. Even even Flynn and Provenza who, being jerks, right? Yeah, like they're they still they're they're still not bad people, right? I mean, they are clearly from what they did. Yeah, <laughs> but nine times out of ten, they're not bad people. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up our thoughts on the episodes.
0: Let's get into minigame number two. Minigame number
1: two while we noodle on those conclusions. Go ahead. Yes.
0: Uh, This is a game I like to call Zootopia or The Closer. Uh, I have five quotes here. Um, Each one is a quote either from Zootopia or from The Closer. and It's up to you to guess.
1: Now, this is historic because I I guess you could consider. So Zootopia was Daphne on my first date um was it
0: a, yeah it was that's crazy i don't yeah. remember that
1: and our first real date and then i told daphne that we we're gonna go see a furry documentary <laughs> <laughs> well actually i told her that we were gonna see, go see a documentary and then in the car she was like is it a documentary about furries and i was like yes yes it is <laughs> anyway it's uh, funny and, that i have no recollections <laughs> and since we watched the closer episodes yesterday I guess you could consider that our most recent date. So we're really bookending our relationship. Yeah, we'll, we'll be divorcing right now. Yeah, I was about saying time. now <laughs> we're going to divorce
0: <laughs> over this uh, game specific. All
1: right, tie a bow on this relationship so I can get out of here.
0: <laughs> the first quote is, "It's called a hustle, sweetheart."
1: Uh, that is Zootopia.
0: That is Zootopia. Yeah. I Didn't know who says it.
1: Is it's uh? I almost said Michael J. Fox. Uh, his name. Nick Jason Wilde. Jason Bateman. The the Fox boy. Yeah, the guy. Fox
0: guy. It's the Fox yeah. guy. Okay.
1: I can like see him saying that.
0: Um, I have not
1: seen Zootopia since it came out in, yeah. in twenty sixteen, to be clear. <laughs>
0: Next quote. It's not my cat. It just lives with me and eats at my house.
1: Well that, that can't be Zotopia. That doesn't make any sense. I hope so closer?
0: Yeah, it is a closer. Okay. I was hoping to trick
1: you. Yeah, that would be that would be really questionable from a Zootopia perspective.
0: All right, two two for two. Let's go. Um this is a conversation. Person one. Did you even ask to see his badge? No, I didn't. Then how could you have been so certain that he was an actual detective? You knew my mission statement.
1: I'm going to have good Zootopia on that one.
0: That's the closer.
1: Crap. Damn, that that's... was convincing. Mission statement? Oh.
0: Yeah, that's a conversation between Brenda Johnson and uh, J.K. Simmons. That's what I
1: was going to say. J.K. Simmons sounds like he would be the, he would be the character with a mission statement. He's also in Zootopia.
0: <laughs> that's true. He's, he's the lion mare in The Lion, right? I think so. Yeah. We may be evolved, but deep down, we are still animals.
1: That's Zootopia. It is
0: Zootopia. Okay. And you know, then the last one. Me, but... Oh, you're naked. For sure. We're a naturalist club.
1: Born naturalist club, is that what is?
0: We're a naturalist We're club. We're a
1: naturalist. See, that doesn't really make sense from a Zootopia perspective, which makes me think it's some gag that I'm forgetting. But I don't really remember anything like that. I like it, It's like vague. I, c- I could conjure something in my head. I'm not sure. That's just. So I'm going to go with uh, the closer on that one. That is Zootopia.
0: <laughs> they have there, the whole. Bomb, sorry, they have the whole scene where they're doing like naked yoga or whatever. <sighs> I don't really Zootopia? remember.
1: That. I was trying to remember what type of animal said that.
0: This is yaks. I don't yes, know. Okay. <laughs> no, like y a x. I know. <laughs> cool, cool. That's like the name, so oh, I don't know name. who that is. But yeah,
1: I assume a yak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, that's, that's funny because I can like vaguely conjure that, but I cannot tell you where in the movie that happens. it's like
0: right at the, right when she gets to Zootopia. Oh, weird then she like runs into these bunch of animals doing naked yoga and she's like oh you're naked <laughs> it's a really weird don't scene. don't
1: wear pants judy <laughs>
0: a weird uncomfortable scene
1: trust me we've all been on tumblr we know that you don't wear pants judy
0: now you say that i swear to god judy hops
1: i don't pants. think judy hops wears pants
0: we're looking it up judy hops 100 percent wears <laughs> pants She does.
1: Maybe I'm, I'm just thinking of other animal stuff you're right a cop out yeah oh my god does she wear pants Oh no, that's that's a that's a high up result that I did not want to see from, <laughs> Jesus, from know your meme, the meme of wow. yif Judy Hopps yif hunter.
0: Well, it's, we can't use any of this because of
1: um. Yeah, we can't use any of this because of our dog barking. Thank God, yeah. you've been spared. But yeah, she does wear pants. Okay.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Judy but Hopps definitely wears pants. Jason Bateman does The fox? Yeah. The fox wears pants. No, he doesn't. I'm literally looking at a picture of them both wearing pants right now. But I will say, do not Google Judy Hops on Google pants. Images because, yeah. oh that's boy, does it get zone. real what's, gnarly, real fast. What's his name? Nick what? Nick Wilde.
1: God, he does wear pants. What the hell?
0: Yeah, you must be thinking of all those uh, secret Nick Wilde images you've been looking at. Uh,
1: I mean, there are like 3D models <laughs> where he's not wearing pants, but he's also not endowed uh, or anything. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's, that's uh, all right. Well. All right, time to yeah, close I mean, that's that a total tab. Of six for me on this on this trivia altogether, or on this you know, on the game show side of things. I've gotten six this episode, so I'm feeling pretty good about that.
0: I'm, I'm glad. Yeah,
1: and I've only slightly scarred my brain with those Utopia images. So.
0: Yeah, are you ready to transition into our third mini game?
1: Oh, third mini. We got we got a third one. Okay, let's do this. Yeah,
0: uh, it's a classic two truths, one lie. Okay. Episode oh, okay. description. Awesome. You have the right to remain jolly. A Christmas village Santa is killed in a zipline accident, and the village's other Santa comes under suspicion. Meanwhile, Brenda's lawyer informs her that his retainer has run out, and she needs to pay him 25 grand.
1: Oh no, his retainer? They can, they can be really expensive.
0: Dial M for Provenza? Carjackers compromise Priority Homicide's successful murder for higher sting operation when they make off with Lieutenant Provenza's car, containing all the compiled evidence. And a cat got the tongue. Kitty is found eating the face of a young woman's poisoned body in a recently fumigated house. Pope demands Brenda put down Kitty to retrieve the evidence before it is too late.
1: Those all sound made up as hell. Um, <laughs> now, Provenza's car showed up in both of the two Provenza-centric episodes that we watched. Once because the women stole it to drive it to the airport, and then the stinger at the end was the fact that they were just driving around the LAX parking garages looking for the car and then in the other one because he was going to drive it because Flynn's car wasn't working, but then they found the body behind his car in the garage. So all that to say that I I, I got to say that one's real. I don't think I can... It also sounds the least crazy, so screw it. Prevents his car is fake.
0: That but is true. That is uh, a real one. Cat got the tongue is the one that okay, I
1: made that's up. That's probably what I... The Santa one was absurd, and I didn't think there was any way you could make up all of that.
0: So yeah. I felt pretty... I, I was pretty proud of my... Um, cat eats face of woman.
1: Honestly, checks out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next. The Boogeyman. As Flynn is still missing, will Brenda be able to conquer her deep family trauma, or will she cave to the demands of the dangerous Mexican street cartel that owns the Pacific Palisades? (laughs) An ugly game. Will Brenda's pity for an unlikely crackhead found on Skid Row cloud her judgment in a murder investigation? And... Waivers of extradition. Texas authorities help major crimes catch a serial killer. But will Brenda allow the killer to be extradited to Texas to face the death penalty? I
1: like that these are ending with questions. Yeah. I'm going to go with the third one there.
0: The waivers of extradition? The death penalty in Texas? Yes. That is um, a real one. The one I made up is the Boogeyman. Flynn being missing. You
1: made up the fucking Palisades one? The Pacific Palisades. I literally Googled LA Uh, neighborhoods. I can't believe you've done this. I was going to ask you, Daphne, what are the Palisades?
0: I don't know. I just Googled (laughs) LA neighborhoods.
1: Uh, You got me. You got me with that. That was... That was some verisimilitude in that one, Bethany, <laughs> To be sure. I thought for I thought it was being ingenious because you put because the other two had both Skid Row and the Palisades.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. Blue Blood. Brenda investigates the murder of an off duty LAPD officer and Fritz pressures her for a decision. Three's company. Lieutenant Provenza, Brenda, and the killer for hire he incriminated face off in an abandoned warehouse while the clock ticks on Charlie's emergency organ transport. <laughs> Who's Charlie again? I don't know. (laughs) Home Improvement. While Major Crimes tries to figure out who killed a registered sex offender and buried him under a retaining wall, Brenda tries to find a way to pay for her new high-priced defense
1: attorney. This is the second time that Brenda's attorney has come up. Sorry, what was the the name, the the show name from the second one?
0: Uh, Three's Company. It's Blue Blood, Home Improvement, and Three's Company. I know, I know.
1: The show's name is Blue Bloods, right?
0: Yes, Um, but that was, you know, close enough.
1: I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that didn't come up with that one <laughs> you would have probably just made it the same as the show name you... unless you're playing some 3d chess mm-hmm. right. i'm gonna go home improvement and i'm gonna regret it
0: yeah you are gonna regret it, it. three's <laughs> company is the one i made up crap
1: ah my blue blood i i came out of that blue blood swinging and I, yeah you did see this was me not straying from my first instinct after straying from my first instinct previously had gone poorly and look where that got me oh for three you know
0: mm-hmm I had some very good, well written episode descriptions.
1: Those were really good. And the show does not really the show makes it easy to to invent things, I would say. <laughs> so kudos to you on that. Before we give our final
0: rating, mm-hmm. we have one major point of discussion here. Oh, okay. Which is
1: gonna be a long episode.
0: What does Kyra feel about the Punisher? I should we should specify Brenda Johnson.
1: Yeah, The Brenda character Lee Johnson. that Kyra plays. We've we've used them interchangeably. I apologize. Assume I know literally nothing about Kyra Sedgwick. (laughs) We'll call her Kyra Johnson. Just assume I know literally nothing about Kyra Sedgwick other than I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong and that she's married to Kevin Bacon and most of what I'm saying about her is about her character. Now, that said... How does Brenda feel about... Brenda Lee Johnson feel feel
0: about the the Punisher?
1: I think she can empathize a little bit with the Punisher, but she does not condone what the Punisher do. I would agree. I think that... Horatio Kane really wishes that he was the Punisher. Yeah. And maybe even feels superior to the Punisher. Feels like he's a better iteration of the Punisher. Yeah. I think Brenda Lee Johnson feels bad for him. I mean, everybody feels bad for the Punisher. You guys. Yeah, yeah. Truly re- screwed by life. But I think she gets him on a level that a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. But she does not stand for that. And she would put him down in a second <laughs> to save a perp.
0: So, like Horatio Kane, Kyra John- sorry, Brendan Brendan Johnson, sorry, Brenda Johnson would kill the Punisher. Yes. But she would see the irony.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yes. I I to save to save a criminal, Brenda Lee Johnson would put down the Yeah. And I think that makes her 10 times better than Horatio Kane. Yeah. Even if she was putting on the smarmiest most in your face smile as she did it.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for I I agree with you. So, um, thank you for this discussion. I'm,
1: I'm crying. I'm like this is beautiful.
0: So what what's our final rating on this show?
1: Final rating on this show, um, honestly, eight point three. I think for me, point four. Screw it, let's go for it.
0: Eight point four is what we gave Murder She Wrote.
1: I, I like, yeah, let's let's do it. This these were fantastic episodes. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, it might just be random sampling that we got really good episodes, but they were all they were all pretty good. So no, I mean, and
0: they're all across IMDb yeah. really. Oh right yeah, I, I get
1: that, but like we can't definitively I know, I know. say anything about that because IMDb is garbage. Yeah. But I mean, sorry, it's amazing. And I'm definitely 100% not locked in an Amazon warehouse right now. <laughs> anyway.
0: If I laugh twice.
1: <laughs> yeah. Jeff Bezos. If I Bezos. blink twice. Yeah. Oh, crap.
0: Uh, Jeff Bezos has a gun to my head. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, 8.4, 100%. You know, I, I carried in my pre existing condition <laughs> on Colombo last week with my rating. I'm carrying in nothing on the closer except expectations that were absolutely dashed and blown out of the water, right? So, absolutely. 100% 8.4. Sounds great. Yeah. Daphne, where are we going next time?
0: I think that maybe you should tell us.
1: Okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Very well. Next time, we're going to dive into, I think, Daphne and my probably cumul- cumulative most watched procedural. In terms of hours between both of us, which is criminal minds. Yeah, really dive into unsub territory. Unsub territory, involuntary subordinate. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, unidentified subject. They or suspect. People. No subject. I think subject because they're because they're because it's the, the BAU, the yeah. Behavioral AS Unit. We're gonna <laughs> have to re remember what all this means. Behavioral <laughs> Assessment Unit, but you can you can abbreviate that to Behavioral AS. Ass Unit. So. Yeah. All right, well, we'll join you next time as we dive into the world of Matthew Gray Goobler's uh, boyish good looks, Mandy Patinkin's del- devilish leadership. And just amazing in general. And Aaron Hotchner's tragic backstory. Yeah.
0: And we'll really get to simp for uh, Mandy Patinkin a lot in these next two episodes. Yeah.
1: Can't wait. So if you're out there, Mandy, give us a call. You good? Hello. Hey, yep. All right. Thank you so much for for accepting this call. Um, I'm recording right now. I have some really bad news about our most recent episode. So star of the closer, Kira Sedgwick does pronounce her name Kira, despite it being spelled K-Y-R-A. It's very unfortunate. Um, So we were kind of hoping that maybe we could get you to change your name or pronounce it differently. How would you feel about Kyra or maybe even like a Kiara or something? Uh, well, I've gone one years as Kira. I'm not sure. Well, you know what? Actually, no. I do respond to Kira because every time I go to the doctor, that's how they call me back. Okay, that's really that's really good news. I'm really glad. I'll I'll get the paperwork ready. Uh, we'll get that changed up real quick. Okay. As far as my insurance company and my doctors and everybody who has ever read my name is concerned, my name already is
0: Kyra. So yeah,
1: I guess that's cool. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, we we were scouring some interviews and we we found out that her husband Kevin Bacon pronounces it Kira. So it's kind of. <laughs> Michael. Oh, Kevin pronounces it Kira. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That determines it for sure, then. Yeah. Unless her doctors are also pronouncing it Kyra, and they're actually correct, and she's just been too uncomfortable to correct Kevin after. Her doctors are all probably pronouncing it Kira. Mm, yeah. You know. That's, that's well, probably what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. All right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Oh. Uh, of course. All right. Well, uh, talk to you later, Kyra. Bye. <laughs>
0: This has been Procedural Veneration. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Instagram at procedural.veneration or check out our other random projects at www.dank.pizza. And finally, a thank you to Jacob Petulis for
1: our wonderful theme See you next time. That punk is tough but sexy.